630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Very special guest to get us going tonight. We are going to go over to South Korea and welcome Steve Arsenault to the show. He is a member of the Canadian Para Ice Hockey Team, and they are going for gold this weekend. Steve, you're on with Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for making time for me. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to catch up with you. And I know there's a lot going on, and I guess it's uh, kind of uh, not first thing in the morning, but still morning there. So thanks for for making time for us. I mean, obviously, you guys are are, are thrilled to to be going into the final here coming up Sunday against the United States. How do you feel you guys have been playing? Have you been uh, meeting your standards here as you've been rolling along? Yeah, you know, I think uh, like I think uh, we had a we had a pretty easy uh prelim um so leading into semifinals against uh korea uh we knew that was going to be a tough game and and i think we took them uh we stuck to the game plan and, and took them with ease and now comes our uh, <laughs> our big rival here on uh sunday yeah showdown with the united states that always means something in the hockey world what have your past games been like against the United States? Or have has Canada and the U.S. been the two powers recently? Uh, the last last few years it has been, but I know like if we go back to Sochi and and uh, the twenty fourteen Paralympic Games, we ended up uh, losing to them in semifinals, and then uh, ended up winning a bronze against uh, Norway. So I think uh, you know, for most of the guys or the most of the veterans that were around then. Uh, we have some bad blood, and uh, it's time for us to have some redemption. Did you have you played them a lot? Like I know in the women's hockey, Canada and the U.S. played six times in tune-up games. Did did you play the U.S. ahead of time, or is this the first time you've seen yeah, them in played, a while? Uh, we played them in February, and we split the series one on one. And then uh, prior to that, it was just before Christmas. Okay, and who won those games? Or you split them one one? Okay, all right. Yeah. Now, is it is what other countries have been powerful here in para ice hockey, or maybe it it varies from cycle to cycle? What's the international scene like? Like it's tough because I think uh, a lot of teams don't have I don't want to say the funding, but maybe the um, I suppose it could be funding or the other resources that we may have. So <laughs> a lot of their teams are relatively small. We carry seventeen guys. And then prior to the Paralympics, we have 20, right? And uh, most teams carry, you know, 12, 12, 13 players, which, you know, <laughs> you get gassed in a 45-minute game, right? And uh, but I think they struggle a little bit with that. But the competition is pretty good. I think it does change um, depending on the cycle. But for the most part, <laughs> the top three is always the same. Um, and it's just the bottom teams and, and, the, and then the B pool, which is the... Uh, countries that are trying to make it into the equals so they can be at the Paralympics. Right. Uh, you know, they, they struggle, but they're coming along. I think I think having having the immediate exposure that we're having here 
and Pyeongchang is definitely definitely going to help the game grow. Um, and, and I'm hoping, you know, as the, as the future progresses here, that we start to see more teams come in and, and the teams that are here get better. Yeah, for sure. Steve Arsenal joining us. He's from the Canadian... Uh, I, I, Steve, I, 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 tell me if I'm using the right terminology. It, para ice hockey, I, I think for maybe fans, it's no, it's no longer called sledge hockey, or do you still call yeah. it sledge hockey? <laughs> so last time we spoke, Reed, it was sledge hockey, yeah. and uh, now it's uh, para ice hockey. They changed that this past year. Okay, but I don't think like we still call it sledge hockey. Okay. Uh, I think internationally it's just, just paradise hockey. Okay, fair enough. Well, I think fans know what we're talking about. And, and you mentioned the funding and the support from each different country. And, and Steve, I really noticed this in the leading up to the Olympics that often if there was uh, an advertisement or a PSA for Hockey Canada, it always included a man, a woman, and a para-athlete. There, there was really none of this. It's the men's team, and then everything else is secondary. I mean, am I reading that right? And what does that mean to, to, to your sport and developing athletes and staying strong? Oh, it's phenomenal to see. Like, I think, uh, well, Hockey Can has always looked at it as, as three teams going for gold. Um, the last three Paralympics, right? So <laughs> I think uh, they've done a wonderful job, um, including us and, and their messages. And I think, uh, you know, across the board, I think it's getting better, especially here in Canada. Like, this is um, probably the most exposure we've ever had. Um, it's awesome, right? And like I said, it's only going to help the game grow. Yeah, for sure. All right, Steve, uh, I know we've had you on before, but just just kind of to recap your story, let let listeners know how you got into para-ice hockey. I mean, what were the circumstances surrounding that? And uh, I don't know if there was a, a mentor or, or a buddy that, that that sort of got you rolling on it, but I know, you know, I've, I've talked to other people involved in the sport, and they, they've really said how it was important for them, maybe after an injury or something difficult that happened in their life, to have somebody introduce them to it and give them that sense of camaraderie and being on a team again yeah when I was um, I was 13 years old I uh, was running down the stairs and broke my hip um, and afterwards I was diagnosed with AVN to vascular necrosis of the femoral head which is basically the premature death of the bone um, so from that point on it basically ended my stand up uh, career I guess you could say and uh, I was pretty devastated and depressed and and my mom found uh, sled hockey at that time online, and uh, been pretty much at it since. Um, so I made the national team in 2006, and then I was cut right before the the Torino Paralympics. And then um, I played again in 07, and then my mom passed away, so I took a couple years off uh, just to deal with some family stuff, and some personal demons I had to be dealt with. And then I came back after Vancouver, and I've been playing steady since. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you, do you have any family or loved ones over there with you watching? No, unfortunately, uh, I don't have any family here, which is, you know, bad in that space, but it, it's kind of nice not to have any distractions. Right. That's that's the fine <laughs> line, right? <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they might not be able to see you live, but you're just focused on, uh, on the sports for yeah. sure. Well, I mean, you're great, and you're still living in Stony, aren't you? Yeah. I'm still in front. Okay, so where, where during the year, who do you usually train with or play with? Uh, well, I train by myself, actually. Like, we have, uh, there's, a cl- there's club teams in Edmonton that I try to get out with and, and the uh, team I coach, but uh, for the most part, I train by myself. And then, 
like a pretty well this year it's been every two weeks we're pretty much on the road to hockey canada so mm-hmm. um not home that much <laughs> right but when i am home i, I normally train out at cac they're on the north side they're pretty they're pretty good with me and, and give me ice as much as i can and then i train at the u of a and uh a gym here in stony so i can't get into the city is, is that is that tough sort of being away like the team's not centralized right so how difficult is it when you get together oh it's, uh, like it <laughs> The, the first lifetime is always a transition, just getting back to playing with the guys. But uh, we're together so often this year, it hasn't been too big of a deal. I think if, the, if it was a bigger break, it would be a little bit more difficult. But uh, as we're training on your own, it's, you know, it takes a lot of discipline. It's pretty tough. And, and uh, you know, for people to say they can't do it because they're on their own, I think I think <laughs> you should reevaluate that because you definitely can. It's just, it's just the discipline that, that comes into play, right? Yeah, well, you sound pretty self-motivated. I, th- I think we all know that for sure. Okay, so the game is uh, Sunday. In what, what? Do you know what time it's going to be here in Edmonton, Steve? Um, I could not tell you. It's noon here. Okay, um, so noon Sunday. So we're behind, or no, we're a day. So I think it would be. I'm doing this in my head now. Is it Saturday morning? Is it Saturday morning there already? Yeah, it'll be it'll so be it'll be tomorrow night, night then here, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, Steve. Uh, I know you got a lot going on today, so thanks for getting in touch with us. All the best, and hopefully we can connect when you get back. Get that gold medal, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Reed. thanks for having me. Right on. That is Steve Arsenault checking in. Love talking to him. Haven't had him on the show in a little while, but yeah. So he's in South Korea with the Canadian para ice hockey team. That's sledge hockey. If uh, if you're wondering about the terminology and Canada U.S. showdown in the gold medal game. So that's going to be cool to follow that. Love having Steve on the show and appreciate that he and Hockey Canada were able to to fit us in here because I think he's got some team meetings and a practice coming up uh, in the morning there in South Korea. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We have a lot to get to Tonight, we'll talk to Jack Michaels from Sunrise, Florida. The Oilers are there to take on the Panthers tomorrow. It's going to be a 10.30 a.m. face-off show and a noon start time here on 6.30, Chad. NHL tonight, the Capitals lead the Islanders 1-0 early in the second period. Oshie has his 15th. Late in the first, the Stars are up 1-0 on the Senators. 38th of the season for Sagan. Four games coming up later on tonight, including a big one between the Sharks and the Flames as the Flames try to force their way back into a playoff position. At the University Cup, we'll have Riley Kieser, the captain of the Golden Bears hockey team, on the show a little bit later on. The Bears winning today 8-6 over Acadia. Wasn't really that close. Acadia got three goals in the final 63 seconds. Uh, the Bears, at one point, the Bears were up 8-2. Acadia got a goal about halfway through the third, and then it got a little crazy there at the end. But uh, a pretty convincing win for the Golden Bears. They did control the game pretty much start to finish. Kieser scored 13 seconds in, 8-6. The U of A won that one. And it could be... It's looking like, in fact, an Alberta-Saskatchewan showdown tomorrow in the national semifinal. The Huskies lead McGill 3-1 with six minutes left in the third. All right, we got to call a quick timeout. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. The 
this is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. How did we go from something else into who made who? I don't know. Well, you, you, would, you should know. I you like the song. It. It's a good song. What? I like the song. It's a good song. What was the other song? It, this is who made who. You made who doesn't start like that. It does. This no, is the rare 1986 extended version of Who Made Who. I never knew there was an extended version of Who Made Who. I just started started with the drums. This All is right. this is a deep ACDC cut. Remember what movie this was in? Maximum Overdrive. Emilio Estevez. Was that the one? Uh, was there a Stephen King movie he directed himself? I don't think there was. I, I'm that not sure if, it, if he directed it or he got somebody else to direct it. I know Emilio Estevez was like the main character in. Yeah, written and directed by Stephen King. Oh, okay, there so we he go. He directed that. Mm-hmm. Once again, my useless 1980s knowledge paying off. It's a great film. I don't know what it's paying off in. <laughs> Just random comments. Yep. On the show. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We also got the uh, Toronto Raptors in action tonight. They are trailing the Dallas Mavericks, who aren't having a very good year. 51-44 for the Mavericks halfway through the second quarter. All right. So uh, the Oilers in Sunrise, Florida. Practice today. No Chris Russell. No Pontus Aberg. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Russell blocked the shot and is injured. He's very doubtful for tomorrow. Uh, we hope that he can uh, uh, get himself back into uh, into playing in Tampa. And uh, Pontus missed practice today and will not play tomorrow. All right. Interesting there on Aberg, just that he missed practice and won't play. Uh, got details on Russell. Didn't get any. On Aberg. Ty Raddy is up from the farm. Now, here were the lines today for the Oilers. McDavid between Nugent Hopkins and Raddy. So Raddy goes right up to the top line. Strom with Lucic and Pugliarvi. Dreisaitl centering Kajula and Slepeshev. Kara between Pakarinen and Cassian. So a little bit of shaking going on there. But Raddy up to the top line. McClellan commented on that as well. There's a chance he'll play there tomorrow. We'll, we'll again, we'll look at the structure of our lines as, as we come in the morning. But um, we'll give him an opportunity to play and play with uh, with some good players and see if he can produce some offense and and uh, you know give him his uh, his opportunity. I thought when he played um, against Anaheim and San Jose, he had a very good first game and. Our team was just average in the second game, and he kind of fit that mold. So we'll give him another chance, and hopefully he makes good. He's a good player. All right, and of course, McClellan always adds, you know, don't pay too much attention to the lines, but but given what he came out and said about Aberg not being there, uh, I I would guess they'll start the game that way tomorrow. So an interesting chance for Raddy. McDavid and Nugent Hopkins have looked good together. Aberg's not going to play. He hasn't exactly hit it out of the park playing on that line anyway. More on the Oilers coming up after the 6.30 news. Jack Michaels is uh, with them, so we'll bring him on the show, and it's always entertaining when we get Jack on. Also today... Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal, part of this united bid for the 2026 World Cup that would be co-hosted by the United States, Canada, and Mexico. 
Canada would get 10 out of the 80 games. Don't know how they would be distributed between Edmonton and Toronto, Montreal. But those are the three Canadian teams that are committing. Edmonton going ahead with this, even though there will not be any uh, provincial funding. June 13th is is the next step to find out if Edmonton's moving on to the next stage of the bid. But uh, an announcement today here in Edmonton. Stephen Reed is the president of Canada Soccer, and he believes Edmonton would be a very good host. It's been an enormous uh, success here before. We've had so many competitions that uh, that Edmonton has hosted. But as I pointed out in uh, in the uh, Q and A there, uh, from 20, uh, 2002, uh, record crowds. Uh, 2007, the same thing. Um, and uh, I think it just goes on and on. Uh, I don't think there's any question. Edmonton is a world class city and is able to handle uh, support uh, successful world class events. Roger Jevney with the City Community and Recreational Facilities was asked if grass would have to be installed at Commonwealth. FIFA and, and the United Bid Committee is working to try and find one solution for all the stadiums that have artificial turf. So that it'll be one system, they'll come in, they'll, they'll change, change it out, they'll bring it back if we want. So we haven't really got into the details, but we have been working with kind of collectively to say this could be one solution uh, that will hopefully make it easier for all the host cities. Right on. All right, so we'll be following this one. Obviously, the FIFA World Cup the biggest non-Olympic sporting event in the world, expanding to 48 teams in 28-26, up from 32. The host always gets in. So maybe this is a way for Canada to finally make the Men's World Cup, though I was also reading today it's not a slam dunk that they would let all three hosts in since there would be three for 2026. You can get more on that on 630Ched.com. Okay, Jack Michaels is standing by. We're also going to be joined by Mark Spector in his capacity as the president of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. You're going to love this. All the writers who vote on the season-ending awards, all individual ballots will now be revealed, not just the totals. We'll get into that. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, so it will be Alberta and Saskatchewan tomorrow in the national semifinal. It's going to be a 1 p.m. Mountain Time start. The Huskies just beat McGill 4-1. Earlier today, the Golden Bears knocking off Acadia 8-6. NHL tonight, Capitals up 2-1 on the Islanders. That's in the second period. Stars lead the Senators 1-0 after 1. Still to come, Predators at the Avalanche. Big game between the Flames and the Sharks. Detroit's in Anaheim and Minnesota takes on the Vegas Golden Knights. Oilers back at it tomorrow. To McDavid. Shimmies his way to the middle. Then back to Sacra. Now McDavid one more time. Right circle. Rishot score! That's two for Connor McDavid. And a power play goal makes it 2-0. Edmonton, eight minutes to go in the middle frame. The man who calls the goals, hits, fights, saves, and everything else in between, Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network. Jack, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well. So the Golden Bears had a similar moment that the Oilers did in Calgary on, what was that, early December? I mean, the last thing I knew, they were up 8-2. They won 8-6. Well, the Acadia got a goal to make it 8-3 about halfway through the third period. And then Acadia scored with a minute three remaining, with 40 seconds remaining, and with 17 seconds remaining. So it was never really oh, right. in doubt. 
but it was kind of weird it wound up 8-6 because the Bears did dominate the game, Jack. But, uh, yeah, little, uh, you know, it's it, you, you're left, you're left kind of saying, well, it's good they got the seventh and eighth ones. Yeah, no kidding. I, I did not realize that. I kind of, uh, to be honest with you, I checked out as far as following that game, you know, 8-2 with about 15 minutes left, I think. So I... I uh, I stopped following the progress of the game. So when you said eight six and you're open there, I was a little stunned. I, I didn't realize that it had gotten back to eight six. Well, yeah, no, I've had a couple. Uh, so couple. what you're saying is, what you're saying is that so that starts one o'clock Mountain. So you're saying I better get the most out of Stoffer in the first period. <laughs> That's right. At, after that, he's going to be completely preoccupied. Yes, he'll be uh, watching on his phone or online, or maybe he'll just ask them to put it on the scoreboard at the BB and T Center. I don't know. I, I was going to say we may we might have to parachute Rob Brown in for the second <laughs> and third period. Uh, well, it's going to be fun. Has Alberta's anyone ever done that? Like Bob, Bob could Bob could throw the first three innings, and then we'll bring in a reliever. That's right. I'll, I'll make a call to the bullpen after the first period tomorrow. Right. Yeah. It's it, instead of uh, it's instead of long instead of long relief, Bob would be doing a short start, and then Rob Brown would be in the rest of the yeah. Way. He, exactly. He's going to. Pitch a uh, simulated game, a spring training game. Maybe. <laughs> That's right. Just this. Yeah. He'll be he'll be Monty. Remember Monty, the color commentator in Major League. I'm not going to get much out of him. He's going to be Monty after the first period tomorrow. <laughs> That's great. So, That's great. I hope I hope the University of Alberta puts him away early. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing solo for the second and third. <laughs> hey, did you get to golf today? That's pretty cool. I did. It was a beautiful day. Uh, some people went to the beach after practice. I uh, I have a cousin down here who retired and is working part-time at a golf course, principally so he can play free golf. And so uh, we got out on the course today, Reed, and uh, had a good time. Uh, I played reasonably well for the first time in, you know, whatever, nine months of, of not golfing. So... Uh, hit the ball around, and, and it was uh, a beautiful day. And we have, at times, been quite unfortunate here in the Sunshine State. I think Bob and I got caught in a driving rainstorm here the last time we were here. So uh, the one thing that's always happened here is the Oilers tend to win. Uh, it's eight consecutive victories for Edmonton at the BB&T Center, and the Oilers are going to play a significant role here in in a couple teams playoff positioning i mean you've got florida trying to lock down a spot they're four points back with three games in hand and you've got tampa bay all of a sudden trying to fend off boston for a division title you know that they've often been conceded but the bruins keep coming they've got a couple games in hand on tampa bay and the lightning you know andre vasilevsky has not looked like a Vesna trophy candidate over the last couple of weeks so it's going to be a big game uh, for Tampa on Sunday. And like the Oilers, they're going to be playing the second of a back-to-back, having played Boston the night before. So technically, the Oilers will be five hours fresher for that one. It was interesting today. I played the clip in the last half hour of the show where Todd McClellan gave a relatively detailed explanation of Chris Russell's absence, that he blocked a shot. Very unlikely to play right. tomorrow. Hopefully, the return to Tampa Bay. And then about Aberg, he just said, "Missed practice, won't play tomorrow." Uh, I don't. I made me raise a, an eyebrow a little. Like, was he around at all, or is he is he sick? Is he being disciplined? No. Like, did you get any sense of that? 
No, not really. Uh, we were told he missed practice, will not play tomorrow. And as you probably saw in his media scrum, he said it two or three times. So, you know, I mean, you can infer whatever you want. It, it is it is the first. He was not at the rink. I mean, I didn't see him. Um, you know, so I, I'm pretty sure he was not at the rink. So, I, you know, it'd be foolish for me to sit here and speculate as to, as to the nature of the absence, but you know what you heard from Todd is is not something we hear from Todd all that often in terms of missed practice will not play tomorrow. So I I don't know uh, I don't know the reason and you know I really I mean I can't shed any light to be honest with you because I, I didn't lay eyes on him. Yeah, no, I just I just want to clarify that like it, it wasn't that he was like around like he wasn't he he wasn't there. And I know sometimes with Todd he. Uh, well, I didn't see him. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't see him. I, I guess I can't definitively say he wasn't in the arena. I, I just can't shed any more light than what Todd did. Um, but I agree with you. The phraseology is a little bit different than, you know, what we're accustomed to hearing from Todd. Yeah, no, fair enough. Jack Michaels joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. Oilers and Panthers tomorrow. And then, as Jack mentioned, Oilers right back at it. Tampa Bay on uh, on Sunday. Certainly, as Jack pointed out, some big impact for those for those uh, games. I got to ask you before I let you go here. Uh, did Ithaca College ever play in the NCAA basketball tournament? Well, yes, but at the NCAA Division Three level. Oh, so, Div Three. Okay. So Ithaca, yeah, yeah, Ithaca. When I was there, would were was in all three championships. Actually, I called an NCAA. Division Three football semifinal, and the winner of that game would have played in the Amos Alonzo Stag Bowl. You might have heard of Amos Alonzo Stag, a legendary football coach around the turn of the uh, 19th century, and he um, and and so that was the Division Three football playoffs. There, uh, they only had a club hockey, but their basketball team was reasonably successful, and actually produced a guy who's now on ESPN Sports Center, Kevin Connors, is a is a fairly prominent Sports Center host. Uh, he was on the team when I was there. And the other sport they were pretty decent in uh, was NCAA Division Three baseball. And that World Series, at least when I was calling the games year after year, was hit, held in a place called Battle Creek, Michigan. Oh, nice. Isn't that where they make cornflakes? Uh, so there you go, you, you learn a little it's... geography from me. I'm always there for you. I, I remember being very upset when the team lost uh, the NCAA semifinal to a school called Washington and Jefferson, which is, uh, which is in Pennsylvania, because the Stag Bowl at that time was played in Braden in Florida. So Ithaca, New York, uh, was known for its rather precipitous snowfalls in the winter months. So that would have been, uh, okay. that would have been a huge thing had, uh, had we been able to get a trip to Braden in Florida. But alas, a dropped fourth down touchdown uh, catch by Chris Comiskey, whom I've still never forgiven. Uh, <laughs> denied that trip. Still remember. I, I was. I said it was Battle Creek, Michigan, where they make cornflakes. I I don't have the first clue, but one <laughs> one moment it, on. I don't. That, I don't know that why a, that came into my brain. I want to get back to Chris Comiskey because I'm still angry at him because I remember that <laughs> night being at a local establishment. You know, by then I had finally turned 21, and my buddies and I were sitting there. And he was, he was at the bar having a great time, and we were just staring at him like, how could he have a great time? He dropped the touchdown pass that denied us a trip to Florida. Like, we were just furious with him. 
Yeah, he was in one of my classes, too. I think I gave him the stink eye for the rest of the year, not that he cared. <laughs> he was about 6'5", 235 pounds, so it's not like I could do anything about him. Cornflakes created by John Harvey Kellogg in 1894 as a food he thought would be healthy for the patients of the Battle Creek Sanitarium in Michigan. There you go. Well, we really Good work, Reed. We, we, once Was that again, on the fly, or did you get that from a listener? Uh, I Googled it on the fly, according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, as we know. Good work. Good work, Reed. You have, you have impressed me. For once. <laughs> Jack, have a no, great night. No, that's not at all. Hey, good luck to the University of Alberta in all seriousness. So if they beat Saskatchewan and they're a slight favorite in that game, then who do they got? Uh, well, they're, then, not, they're more than a slight favorite. Didn't they just didn't they just sweep yes. them in the university final or the Canada the West final? final. Yes, UNB and uh, St. FX are in the other side. Oh, all right. Yeah, I think I think Bob has a bit of a phobia about St. FX. So, but I mean, they're a, they're a significant favorite over Saskatchewan. I think I met the Saskatchewan head coach, Dave Adolph. You probably did. Yeah. Yeah, I think I met him. So, well, look, best of luck to the Golden Bears. I love watching them win uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I live in Edmonton, and I'm, you know, I've become a Golden Bears fan. I played in their golf tournament. They're great people. And number two, Bob is impossible to be around if they lose. So I, I really need a win tomorrow. I hear you, Jack. Have a good one, buddy. That is Jack Michaels checking in with the Oilers in Sunrise, Florida. Okay, that's always great talking to Jack. Uh, yeah, somebody texting in uh, Kalamazoo for cornflakes. I I don't know. I think it, they're close together, or maybe they started in Battle Creek and then they make them in Kalamazoo. That's inside breakfast cereal at six thirty, Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Oilers games both days this weekend. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Tomorrow, 10.30 face-off show. Noon start time. Oilers at Panthers. And then on Sunday, the Oilers take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. That'll be a 1.30 face-off show. Game at 3. Connor McDavid having a great season for the Oilers. He is a Hart Trophy candidate to some degree, depending on who you talk to. I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think he'll get votes. The Professional Hockey Writers Association does the voting. Each writer picks five guys. Now, the PHWA has decided that all of the approximately 170 ballots will be published. So instead of just seeing the final results that tell you McDavid got 21st place votes and 32nd place votes, et cetera, et cetera, each guy's ballot is going to be available. Pleased to be joined by the president of the PHWA, Mark Spector. Mark, welcome back to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, doing pretty well, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you hopping on to talk about this because there's always... Uh, so much, I think especially this year, in some categories, there there's not a clear favorite. Maybe other than Coach of the Year, there, there there's a lot of uh, categories that are up in the air. 
And this is the toughest year, and, and this looks like it's going to be the toughest year in, in a long time. Not necessarily the toughest, but the one where we just, it's going to surprise everybody. That award show in Las Vegas, you're going to turn it on, and you're not going to have a clue who's going to win most of these awards by it. The way I see it, how about you? Well, I don't even know if there's a consensus for the final three in some categories. I mean, we've talked about it on this show, and I'll get texts from listeners, and one guy will say McKinnon, McDavid, and Wheeler, and the next guy will say, uh, you know, Vasilevsky, Ovechkin, and and, and Malkin, you know, and, and you can make arguments <laughs> for all of them. So, but tell me a little bit about this process, because... Uh, according to, and I'm just taking this off the, the PHWA website, about four-fifths of your members said, yes, uh, it, it's time to do this. Uh, how, how come? Why now? Why is this happening now? Well, I think it's an eventuality, Reed. Uh, you know, for instance, the Baseball Writers uh, Association of America, the BBWAA, they have less voters on their awards, but they've always made it public. Uh, and as you know, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, votes in baseball, the writers, it's always made public. So the pressure sort of starts, I'm not saying pressure, the precedent starts there. Uh, I think the biggest reason, frankly, Reed, is we're a bunch of journalists. I expect transparency from the people I cover. You know, I'm always asking the Oilers about what the injury is and, and be more specific and tell us the truth and you know, come clean on why you made this decision, Todd McClellan, and why did you make that trade, Pete Chiarelli? So it's probably incumbent upon Mark Spector to make it absolutely clear who he voted for in these awards. Uh, I think it's a little hypocritical, frankly, for us not to, don't you? Well, I, I think this is cool, and you know what's going to happen. It's going to lead to people getting mad at some of you guys, but that's what sports yeah. is all about. It's it's the You know what? I would love to know the writer who, and I'm not saying that this was a wrong choice. I would just love to know who's the one guy who gave Cam Talbot one fifth-place vote for the Hart Memorial Trophy lot. Like, I would love to know that, just to see who stepped up and said, you know what, this guy was pretty damn valuable to the Oilers, too, and he deserves to get a point here. You know, you know like, I, I, I'd love that then that'll spur a little more debate well fair enough it will certainly spur debate because there are people out there who will comb over these ballots and pick you know with a very critical eye and as you know in sports radio read you know when the orders are losing the board lights up when the orders are winning there's not as many calls people prefer to criticize right yes so that, to really, in, in all our debates, and we've been debating this at PWA for three or four years now. This train's been coming down the track three. I've watched it in my time there. Um, really, the, the only negative out there is how much backlash there's going to be. And let me say this, too. We've got 170 people making votes, roughly speaking. Somewhere between 165 and 175 are, are voting... Uh, you know, our, our turnout, like we give out 170 ballots, let's say, we'll get 168 people who vote. Our turnout is excellent. If you don't vote, we don't ask you to vote again for the next few years. So everybody votes. But listen to me when I say this. You get 170 people to vote on five awards, a couple all-star teams, all that stuff. There's going to be some guys who make some stupid votes, <laughs> okay? It's just going to happen. If we do it in politics... There's always someone who's going to vote for the Communist Party, right? If you do it in, you know, who's your favorite radio station? 
there's always going to be someone who picks the station that you go. Are you kidding me? Right. So we're setting ourselves up, frankly, there are people who are going to take that tiny minority and paint the whole PHWA with it. We're going to have to live with that. The body of work, if you look at our award voting over the past decade, and I've done it many times, the body of work is excellent. We pick the right guys all the time. There's always going to be an outlier, and that guy's going to cause us some criticism, and we're going to have to live with it. Mark, I got a couple more for you here. Kellen, we might have to move a, a break or two the next half hour because I don't want to cut Mark short here. I know in the past, Mark, sometimes a writer will say, I got my ballot today, here's who I voted for, and then the the results don't get announced until the awards two months later. Are you going to discourage people from tweeting their votes ahead of time? Because now if a guy might say, well, if it's going to be published anyway, I'll just tell everybody third week of April when I vote. Do you want to not have that? Like, will you discourage guys from doing that this time around? Uh, I Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Uh, I can't tell people, you know, for instance, uh, my good friend Eric Dahatchek uh, in Calgary, Craig Customs in Detroit, every year they've, they've made a, a, a day's article out of their votes. So after they submit their ballot, they then write a piece in, in right before the playoffs start, off on a travel day. It's a good way to kill a day for a writer. <laughs> they would do that piece, here's who I voted for and why. We would prefer now that people waited until after the awards for the simple reason that if too many people write that piece read, guys are going to be able to piece together who wins the award. So we don't want to ruin it for the NHL. I can't tell Eric to stop writing that piece. He's been doing it for 30 years. But I I told him, and we through our internal email, we said to people it would be preferential if you could sit on that piece till after the awards. I think most people will respect that. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so here's another one for you, though. And I guess this doesn't... You have no control over this, but I'll get your opinion on it. The PHWA does not vote on every award. There's a pretty major award that the general managers vote on. That's the Vesna Trophy. Should yep. those votes be made public after the awards? Well, I can't see why not. Um... You know, it's not, frankly, for me to say, because it's not my territory and I'm not mowing anyone's lawn here, but uh, I can't see why we shouldn't be able to, to track the general manager's voting record. You know, I think that, I'll tell you right now, when you see who gets votes, there's only 31 general managers, and there's always a couple few outliers in that group. So I think that it would be excellent to see uh, how seriously guys are taking it. It's a little different because every one of them has a horse in the race, right? Yeah. So it would lend a different eye to how they vote. But uh, if you're asking me what I prefer, I'd love to see their votes. I have no way to control that. Yeah, well, last year only six goalies got votes, and Bobrovsky was a pretty clear winner, actually, but some years it, w- it would be a lot tighter. Uh, before I let you go, do you remember who you voted for the heart last year? Do you remember your top five? Did You, you, must, you must have had McDavid first. Yeah, I had McDavid first for sure. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, well, the top five. The top five last year were McDavid, Crosby, Bobrovsky, Burns, and Carlson. Yeah, I had uh, Carlson, Crosby, and Bobrovsky, and McDavid in there. Those were four of my top five. I'm sorry, I don't remember the five I voted for. No, that's but okay. Those guys made my top five. I for sure voted for McDavid, and in fact, in a more controversial vote the year before. Uh, when McDavid missed 30, what was it, 35 games with that broken collarbone, 
the controversy was whether he should get voted the Calder or not. I did vote for him for the Calder. A lot of guys didn't. He didn't win that award. He got 25 first-place votes after his rookie season. Gostaspair got 33, and Panarin, who won the award, got 88 first-place votes. Yeah, that was a big debate at the time, too. That was fun. I didn't believe in Panarin because I, I don't believe in 25-year-old guys with 280 games well, a winning that award. I don't care who they play for or what their name is. If, he, if the guy, if McDavid had 300 games in the K, I wouldn't give him a vote either. Yeah, that's yeah. I remember too. A lot of we were talking about that at the time. Mark, thanks for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. It's going to be fun to see those ballots, man. Have a great weekend. All right, go Golden Bears. Yeah, right on. Yeah, Mark's ready for the semifinal tomorrow. Golden Bears and Huskies. Okay, we're coming up to the seven o'clock news, and you'll hear from Golden Bears captain Riley Keezer when we get back. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.